Hello and good morning, evening or afternoon, depending on when you are listening to this latest Susty Talk audio interview from EG. This is our ongoing series that we started in early 2020 in the very early stages of COVID and which we are continuing today in 2023 um, for EG's 25th birthday. And I'm delighted to have on our Susty Talk today, Diana Verde Nieto, who is the co-founder of Positive Luxury, um, veritable wealth of information on all things luxury and sustainability with a career in the industry spanning more than 10 years. So thank you very much for your time, Diana. How are you? Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm good. Thank you very much. No, it's great to catch up. And I've obviously interviewed you before and done various bits of work with Positive Luxury. Um, but for those who are listening who might not be aware of Positive Luxury, it would be great to have an introduction in your own words, please, to get us going today. Yes, of course. Um, so Positive Luxury is a sustainability and ESG platform. And what we do is we help companies to transition to a new climate economy. And that is by assessing their ESG baseline and helping them to understand where they are and then what are the steps that they need to make in order to transition. Um, so, yeah. Got it. And in in luxury, when when positive luxury was was set up um, more than ten years ago, now I understand. Where were brands in the main? What sort of sustainability issues were were they looking at, and how has that broadly changed over time? So when we started positive luxury, exactly like you said, eleven years ago, the world was very different, and. Um, the reason why we started Positive Luxury is because I wrote a report or co-author a report with WWF called Deeper Luxury over 15 years ago, which was the first time in which the luxury industry was really looked at, not just about their environmental and social impact, but also their, their impact overall. And I was very curious to see that the influence that luxury have in everything that we do and everything that we buy. So this is why Positive Luxury was born. And uh, I mean, we have seen an incredible evolution, um, specifically after COVID. I think that COVID was that point uh, in history where like people has got a little bit more time and understood what nature brought to their lives. And this happens basically at every country, every level, at every geography. So I think from COVID onwards, I would say the appetite of understanding sustainability or, or, or having an incline towards the subject has become kind of a lot more prominent. That with couple of, a, you know, legislation and legislation springing again from all over the place um, is making this whole sustainability and ESG area uh, probably one of the top five most important topics of businesses today. That makes sense. And I know we actually spoke sort of as COVID was just unfolding um, in 2020. And you spoke of this huge moment of luxury brands really honing in on efforts to protect and conserve nature. We saw some other brands doing that as well. You mentioned consumer awareness with COVID, but as you also say, there was legislatory changes, supply chain disruptions due to nature related risks and just more of a systemic embedding of sustainability really so since 2020 how has this moment movement sorry of focus on nature for luxury 
evolved. I mean, just last year we saw the UN Biodiversity Treaty being signed off, which I know businesses are are looking at. So where are we now with that focus on nature? I mean, there's still a long way to go, but like you said, the focus started to happen, which before it was totally overlooked. So we have had an extractive uh, mindset for the last I don't know, 100 and so years. In fact, since the Industrial Revolution. So it's a, it's a mindset that has been uh, pretty much ingrained on businesses. So the transition, it's, it's starting to happen. But I think that we need to focus on this word transition because transitions take time. And I don't like the word change because it's scary and is sometimes um, you know, sometimes comes with unintended consequences. But when you look at transition, you actually plan it. You really focus on what are the pros and the cons. And, you know, it's not like you are basically swapping one thing over another. You're actually rethinking systemically your business and actually look to move from A to B in a cohesive, coherent and uh, and systemic way. And I think this is what's happening. Um, in our experience, probably uh, for, for the last, I would say, 18 months, uh, what has been happening is that uh, businesses are looking at sustainability with the help of uh, ESG framework to start thinking systemically about this. So to make it simple, I think sustainability is the heart of the business, you know, aligned to your mission, to, uh, you know, to the reason to exist as a brand. And then ESG is the mind and the wallet is aligning, you know, your budgets and your resources in order to actually meet your sustainability goals. And this is something that is being happening. Uh, this change of mindset has been happening in the last 18 months. And um, it's not just about, okay, let's need to be net zero and on the carbon side, but actually is completely on the ESG side. So on the environmental side, you of course have climate and water and biodiversity and animal welfare. But on the social side, and this is mainly led by the US legislation, it's about you know modern slavery and you have all of the social areas actually starting to be um, looked at as well. And I always think, you know, ESG is great because it flows, but it should be GES. <laughs> because the governance is what actually makes the E and the S to flow very nicely and to think about what are the outcomes of the actions. I think that impact is like with purpose, these two words are so overused that people just lost sight of what actually means. But when you look at outcomes, you know, one plus one is two. That is it. Is that re the result of your actions? And I think that... Um, there is this appetite, especially from boards and from leadership to, to start changing the way that we have seen the world and start moving towards a way of properly transition instead of trying to fix single topics. Because I think finally, businesses have come to the realization that we are connected and we are incredibly more connected than we ever think we would ever be. This is so refreshing. I hear a lot of scepticism around ESG saying, you know, it's just accounting, it's just compliance, it's picking those specific topics and weighting them um, in your own way. So I'm glad to hear that there are businesses that are getting into that systems um, thinking that, that you mentioned. Do you think that luxury as a sector has a specific um, 
reason to be getting ahead with systems thinking. Sometimes when we look at um, these big reports about, oh, this company set a net zero target or a nature target, but it's not backed up. We don't have, as you say, that transition plan, that governance, that mindset um, shift. A lot of the time it's big companies outside of luxury. So does being luxury for brands place a different emphasis on ESG, do you think? Um, I think so, because um, what the, the main value of luxury is the brand itself, you know. Um, so you know, you need to protect that. And in order to protect that reputation um, of the brand, you've got to do things in the right way. So it's, um, I mean, the systemic change is, as I said, is not going to happen overnight. Um, They're not amazing case studies that I will say, okay, they're doing 100% of everything. Nobody nobody as humans does 100% of of anything. So let a lot of company. uh, but yes, I mean, there is a lot of companies that are making fantastic inroads. And, and the thing that I like to point out is the fact that luxury is not just like, you know, fashion. Luxury is a sector. And when you look at a sector, the actual sector, you have travel and hospitality, you have premium drinks, you've got beauty, you've got fragrances, you have jewelry, watches, you have retail. So as a sector, the image and the brand are becoming really, really important, not, not becoming, they are very, very important. So they ought to look at sustainability uh, much more in depth and in detail than everybody else, because they are an aspiration, they set the aspiration. Um, so, I mean, we have been worked in the sector for, well, I have worked in the sector for almost 12 years now, and the changes that I have seen are positive. Of course, they are not perfect, but they are positive, they are heading in the right direction. That makes complete sense that it, it all hinges on the reputation and, and what you do. And I love love that it could be aspirational in terms of not just owning a nicer handbag, um, but in terms of having a better ESG strategy. Um, something I wanted to ask you about, Diana, is you've mentioned a lot of sectors there, fashion, beauty, jewellery, retail, travel, that we see in the news are struggling at the moment. There was COVID and now there's the cost of living crisis. So I wanted to get your view on the role for luxury in particular to align sustainability and profitability at this unique moment in time, because we do know from research that a lot of people who do have the money are looking to buy less and better and luxury to last. So what happens to sustainable luxury in a cost of living crisis is a question, I suppose. I mean, um, Actually, I have a really interesting insight about luxury. It's probably one of the only industries that actually has had uh, constant growth for the last 40 years. Um, and this is because the people that buy luxury is not just the people that have wealth. Um, so luxury is aspirational. So sometimes the people that don't have wealth, they actually look at buying luxury because have that status symbol. Now, you, when you think about luxury, as I said, as a sector, you also need to think about the entry luxury, which is pre-love. And I think that there is a complete change of mindset um, about this whole area. Um, the first time that uh, a person comes into luxury is 15 years old. So I have gone down from 18 to 15 years old. And this is because of pre-love. And actually, they're making choices of pre-love versus fast fashion. And also, they're looking at what are the ingredients of 
you know, beauty and packaging and so on. So people are much more conscious of what they're buying and what that they're getting for the money. So when you buy luxury, you get more for your money. Um, okay, you pay more, but you have better quality, you have more longevity, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that, yes, there is a pinch, of course, for absolute everyone. But as you have seen the latest results, you know, luxury is still growing. So um, this is something that is, um, it's a big, I think with great power come big responsibility. And I think this is something that the luxury houses are looking into. What is the role they play in terms of job creation and opportunities and uh, training, development and supporting the future generations? And there is so many really fantastic case studies which luxury are providing, you know, kind of um, different courses with, for example, Central St. Martins, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and they are equipping and skilling uh, people. So, yeah, I mean, the world is not perfect, but in terms of the role that they're playing as a whole, it's, um, it's something that, you know, is to be there to be emulated in some areas. We've covered COVID, we've covered cost of living, we've covered UN biodiversity treaty. So we're covering loads of things that are happening at the moment. But I wanted to get your view on another trend that we're seeing um, at the moment, which is um, trends to essentially get past greenwashing, get past the ESG um, alphabet soup. So we're seeing a lot of efforts to make certifications easier to understand, to streamline certifications and to unify corporate reporting, um, both here in the UK and in the EU. I think a lot of people are thinking about the greenwashing directive at the moment. So as as co-founder of an organisation that provides certification, um, it'd be great to hear what you make of, of this movement this year as well welcome it with open arms to be honest with you um we do more than just provide a certification we have a methodology that is aligned to all the directives so you know tcfd and the csrd and the whole alphabet soup that i can carry on quoting you so our assessment is actually aligned to all the kind of financial reporting um so and because it's powered by ai every time that a brand goes through the assessment, you get served the right questions for you in terms of where your sector and your impact and your dependencies and so on. So we really welcome a cohesive way of reporting. Also in terms of certifications, I absolutely agree with that. The governance of a certification is absolutely key. And, you know, um, our certification is backed or is, um, yeah, is uh, is completely aligned with uh, BSI standards. So you know every area, every point, you have an actual standard you have to comply. In the lack of a standard um, that there might not be, is basically what is the best practice principles. But now you probably probably have standards for about 98% of all actions that company has to take. So. You know, I think that this area is massively important. I also think that claims is also very important. So it has been so much stuff that has been said without being backed up. And I think this is where we are now. But the the risk of, um, you know, kind of scrutiny and greenwashing could end up for people not wanting to communicate. And that also is not good. So it has to be a 
you have to be a, a bit of a middle ground in terms of what do you say and how you say it and how you backed it instead of not saying anything at all because you're scared. So I think that uh, hopefully brands will start or companies will start thinking about this, this paradox, basically, between great communications backed with facts, but actually communicating that instead of saying nothing at all. Yeah, I mean, we spoke to the Competition and Markets Authority and they essentially said that it's all about the claims that one brand could say we're carbon neutral, not greenwashing. They have the evidence to back it up. Another brand could say that complete greenwashing, no evidence. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, so definitely that reporting and transparency piece is something we'll be keeping a close eye on this year. Um, and Diana, I know we're nearly running out of time on our Susty talk, but um, I've been given some exciting news, which is that you are writing a book, Reimagining Luxury. So it'd be great to chat about that a little bit. It'd be great to hear about when it's out and why you are motivated to write a book at, at this moment in time. I don't know how to answer your last question um, in terms of what motivated me to write the book. Um, I think that uh, I think there is a story to tell. Um, and I think that uh, there is a place of reimagining luxury. Um, luxury is a is a word that has been again also overused, misused, and you know, luxury has come to an age where it has become a lot more muted, a lot more conscious, a lot more considered. Not at, it's not opulent anymore in terms of working towards not being as opulent as it was for sure. And um, there is so much intention. And I would like to tell that story and why that and sustainability is almost two sides of the same coin. So I'm super excited. Obviously, I'm writing a book in a foreign language, i.e. English. And so it's been double challenge for me. And uh, the book is coming out in January the 4th, I think. So, yeah, I'm super excited about it. And I'm actually really enjoying the research and talking to people and actually the process of coming up with insights and actually learning. So very, very exciting. Well, I'll be excited to read it when it drops. But for today, I think that's probably all the time we have. I know you're a very busy woman, so I'll let you get on with your day, Diana. Thank you so much for being on our Susty Talks. Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate your time as well. See you soon.